Hello and welcome to part two of the two-part series of the Scott Wallace interviews. The first part was all about sharks and conservation and working with Sea Shepherd. So if you're curious about those topics, make sure you checked out last week's episode. This week's episode is a continuation because me and my good friend Scott Wallace got a little bit distracted and had a very long chat, so I decided to cut the podcast up into two. This week, Scott and I will be delving into veganism, how we became vegan, and what kind of brought us around to this way of thinking. We both started off as spearfishing, fishing, ocean-loving people, so it was really a big journey we both went on, and now Scott does a lot of work with Sea Shepherd. He also does a lot of vegan presentations and education to kind of help bring the environmental, the animal, and the health crisis to the forefront. So I hope you enjoyed this episode. Make sure to like, subscribe, do all that jazz. And yeah, let's get into it. Every day there's a new news story about the crisis facing our ocean. Whether it's the plastic issue, overfishing, pollution, if the oceans die, we die. Fortunately, we have plenty of environmental activists, marine conservationists, and eco-warriors who are out there every day fighting to protect our oceans and our Earth. On the Ocean Pancake Podcast, we're going to be hearing from some of them about how to decrease our environmental footprint, go plastic-free, participate in ocean conservation, cleanups, and even maybe some marine science. So, welcome to the Ocean Pancake Podcast, where the goal is sustainability and living a turquoise life. My name is Kat Andreskova, and I'm your host today. Let's get into this week's episode. So yeah, let's just get ready and hop straight into it because we didn't decide to pre-cut it beforehand. So this is me and Scott Wallace talking about veganism. Here you go. But yes, so it, how did you first actually come across veganism? Because, uh, yeah, as both of, well, as both of us are here, prime examples, we grew up eating meat, we grew up fishing, we grew up the very typical Western, you know, um, omnivorous diet, meat, yeah, eggs, dairy. with everything, yeah. Um, so yeah. How did you kind of make that switch or make that connection finally? Yeah, sure. Um, as Kat was saying, like my background was very similar. We lived in a society where standard omnivorous diet, um, the standard and typical interactions with animals was either through watching documentaries mm-hmm. or watching them on my plate being cooked up or watching them in my fish tank or, you know, on the end of my fishing line. Um <laughs> And occasionally and, a nice fish swimming by while you're diving. Oh, yeah, That's diving. Pretty, yeah, of course. You know what? I'm course. hungry for fish. I'm like, what? <laughs> um, I had a few uh, people throughout my life uh, when I wasn't vegan, they were vegan. And so there was always this thing at the back of my mind, like veganism. Yeah, it's, it's not for me. Mm. Um, studying environmental science, um, I started to really explore um, you know, conservation and sustainability and, and thought that I was very well equipped with the information and knowledge um, in terms of what are the most pressing ecological issues that our planet faces. And towards the end of my degree, um, I started doing some more research into, uh, you know, 
um, the animal farming sector. And uh, maybe a few months before that, or uh, I can't remember, it's so hazy now. It seems like a literally a different world for me. Yeah. Um, but I, I went vegetarian maybe half a year um, with the last meat I was eating, like fish that I was catching myself or like wild kangaroo. And an very important catalyst for me was the documentary Cowspiracy, which was a very powerful documentary, which really highlighted the, the magnitude and the scale of the effects of the animal agriculture industry across the world. Yeah. And I wasn't aware of any of this information. None. Now I studied, you know, conservation and sustainability for three, four years as an environmental scientist, why the hell wasn't I told this information? And so it was very frustrating to realize and very, I was very let down in my institution at the time because they didn't tell me that, you know, potentially up to 51% of global greenhouse gas emissions um, is coming from the animal ag sector. I've read some, you know, data which supersedes that. Mm -hmm. um, uh, but it's, it's, it's pretty full on. And so coming to the understanding that the animal ag sector is the most single most destructive industry on our planet um, was concerning. I was contributing to this industry when I'm trying my best to protect the planet. I didn't understand the effects that my choices had. Um, you know, with the impacts of our consumption is so far removed from what we see on our plate. Um, and so my main driver um, to go vegan was to minimize my environmental footprint at the time. Um, obviously, a whole bunch of other benefits from veganism pop up as you start to realize this. Um, yeah, but the, the challenging thing is, is that we live in a society where, you know, as you mentioned before, veganism is considered extreme. Yeah. It's literally the least extreme thing I could possibly think of. Um, wanting to, you know, the basic tenet is that if you believe it's wrong to cause unnecessary suffering to animals. Or to anything. Big, yeah, of course. Animals are like, a huge part of that. Yeah. Yeah. yeah no. Cowspiracy for me was also the, you know, that, that catalyst I needed. Cause just, yeah. just, just like Scott, I, uh, you know, considered myself an environmentalist and from, from what I was told, you know, it was, uh, take shorter showers, you know, consider how much, uh, ride, yeah, your bike. ride your bike, consider how many times, you know, you do your washing, try and drive less, you know, uh, maybe you don't fly back and forth to from Australia. To times. Like that was my big problem. Meat free Monday. Yeah. I did meat free Monday. I didn't even know meat free Monday was a thing. You know, uh, it, it just, it just never came up. It, it, and until I watched Cowspiracy, um, I remember just watching it with, uh, with my boyfriend at the time. And at the end of it, when it ended, there was just silence in the room. And then we just looked at each other and we're like, guess guess we're vegan now and it yeah. was very much that immediate clicking. very much so because yep. you know you try your best your whole life and you know i'm an animal lover i love i love nature like let's let's try conserve this beautiful planet you know yeah. on hikes and camping and spend so much time in 
in nature and you know you pat your dog and you pat your cat and you see a cute cow and you're like oh that's adorable and then you buy a steak <laughs> yeah so that's the disconnection that mm-hmm. it's that disconnection that has been the basis for our ecological destruction and our very violent relationship with you know a lot of a lot of animals throughout our lives um but the way our culture is set up and the way the world is operating the majority of it at the moment is uh, very anthropocentric. It's very human centered. So the way things are going is because it's humans interest over everything else. And it's no surprise that we've been exposed to so much conditioning, so much indoctrination. Um, for example, uh, with, with carnism, mm-hmm. which is this, Uh, this dominant violent ideology that is all around us, which is actually the thing that's conditioned us to eat certain animals. So we have this arbitrary distinction between these animals are edible. These are inedible. These are to be conserved. These are to be killed. um, Where, you know, of all the millions and millions of species, there's a few that we consume and the rest a wild or they shouldn't be or some are um, pets or some are pets yeah exactly what i found most interesting about this idea is that it's very cultural as you said since every single country has a different acceptance belief like for example in india they won't eat cows right yeah so for the hindus the hindus the cows are considered a sacred animal yeah well Um, in europe cows are a fair game but in france they eat horses which to some of us seems insane. You know, yeah. um, I was just in Cambodia last year and they ate my dog, you know, which was terribly confronting. But, you know, for yeah. them, dogs are just like um, for Europeans, pigs, pigs or cows. Yeah, are. of course. And um, it's just this every culture has kind of created this set of rules about what they can eat or can't eat. You know, some people yeah. are like, oh, it's fine to eat. Uh, you know, dogs or cats. Yep. And um, that's if right. You, if you would say that to someone in Australia, they would call, you know, uh, PETA and uh, get the whole, <laughs> get the whole Brisbane uh, uh, to sign a petition. So, um, yeah, it's that it's, it's the cognitive dissonance yeah. that when we have these two conflicting beliefs within our minds, um, for, for example, for me, it was, I'm a marine conservationist. I'm here to protect the planet. Um, I love the ocean, but then I'm either killing fish myself and consuming their flesh or I'm paying someone to slaughter fish for me. Um, Those two beliefs cannot exist at the same time. One's got to give. And so the thought that I'm an animal lover while consuming and exploiting animals is bullshit. Mm -hmm. There's no way we we can be like that. Um, it's inconsistent. There's no um, alignment with that. And for me, I lost so much sleep starting to question myself over this. Why is it that I'm so against the Japanese whaling, but then I'm killing all these brim and trevally and this and octopus. And why is that morally acceptable? Why is it morally unacceptable to kill whales or dolphins? Well, Geez, all of these creatures should, we need to acknowledge their, their right to life and flourish and exist 
separate to to our interference and the oceans you know a fish gets so neglected fish feel pain fish have complex behaviors and communities and social interactions and they just get pushed to the side because i justified it for years who cares about fish you know but there's the little thought in the back of my mind imagine getting hooked like this through your mouth and brought up to the surface to to suffocate yeah yeah it's not nice and it's the whole other thing of um the sports fishing for for sharks um where it's justified oh hey we we catch them but it's catch and release so you know oh don't worry they're just hooked um you know for 20 minutes and they they around fearful for their life yeah okay we let them back uh into the water which is a whole separate you know um hunting because we still have to, you know, acknowledge there are places in the world where people do have to hunt for animals to sustain themselves. And, um, but those places have a very different relationship um, with their food than us in the Western world, where, Definitely. as you said, you know, we go to a shop and we buy something prepackaged. We've never seen the, the animal. It for yep. us meat, you know, ready. Well, yeah. Um, you know, in a lot of cultures like Native American cultures and um, even even Hinduism and a lot of places, they very much like thank their food and they, you know, they acknowledge it comes from energy and stuff. And places like the Inuits, you know, they don't have any, um, any Can't plants. Grow crops. <laughs> yeah, they don't have any plants to live in there. So, no. so like 90% of their, um, um, you know, calorie intake has to come from meat. So it's it's just that very much... This you've world you've is touched real- upon it there. It's, it's the doctrine of necessity. Yeah. And that's what we need to apply to these decisions when it comes to you know, our choices in how we interact, what we consume, what we purchase. Um, we don't need to eat any animal products to thrive and survive mm-hmm. at all. I believe that one stage we needed to yeah. because of the education and the conditioning and the rubbish that was filled into our minds, which can mm-hmm. keeps us as a consumer in this very destructive system. Um, do we need to be doing this? Do we need to be exploiting and using animals? Well, some people, as Kat said, yes. And there's no discussion or debate there as to whether that's morally acceptable. Mm-hmm. It is. Look, it sucks that there's the suffering, but there's a difference between having to hunt and live off the land out of necessity um, and the majority of our exploitation, which is not for necessity. We have supermarkets, we have options, we have everything that I used to eat as an omnivore. I consider myself an omnivore, but uh, biologically speaking and physiologically, uh, doesn't stack up anymore. Uh, (laughs) Plants. Um, We, what was I saying? Oh yeah. The necessity thing. Necessity thing, yeah. Um, The best reasons that we have for eating and exploiting animals is our culture mm. is for taste mm. convenience and pleasure yeah that's the best reasons we have and so if if we're against unnecessary suffering then any of those reasons are unnecessary and so you just follow these things to their logical conclusion and you know if we need a hunt if we need to survive if if i actually end up on a deserted island like and i have to survive then fuck i'll probably need to survive and kill things but um 
we have the liberty, especially in developed societies and the Western world, that dichotomy frustrates me. But yeah, in this space um, where we have choice, not everyone has the choice. And so we have an obligation to exercise that choice, to live in alignment, to protect this planet, to reduce the suffering and increase the peace on this planet. Um, it's not up to government. It's not up to corporations. It's up to us. We drive these systems, whatever we contribute towards, whatever we pay for is going to keep it going. Yeah. The supply and demand thing. Yeah. So what, what would you say to people who, um, so we've argued about the, the necessity aspect, but what about people who say, we have evolved to eat meat or um, it's part of our evolution. It's part of our societal yeah. growth. Cause the, there are studies out there which show um, that the, the moment of the greatest development of our brain was when we started consuming meat. Well, there are yeah. other studies which say it was actually when we started cooking, therefore being able to extract more nutrients from food. But yeah. in general, we have been eating meat for thousands of Very years. Very long time. Yeah. So what do you say to those people about? Yeah. And that's, that's a valid, valid question because I, you know, I pose that to myself and vegans, you know, many times over the years. And I think it's, it's hard to dispute that the consumption of animal flesh was uh, an important part of our development. That's the evidence that I've seen. Um, and it, that was then we don't, we now know we don't need to consume these products to survive. Um, and um, just because we did it before doesn't mean, and just because we, we've done it like that doesn't mean it needs to continue. We need to focus on these issues and really analyze it, apply a bit of logic and a bit of reason um, to, to this. And so, you know, I used to say, but, you know, the things like, oh, but lions eat gazelle, therefore, you know, I'm entitled to, to eat my animals. Mm. Um, but that's like a appeal to nature fallacy. We're not lions. We have completely different physiology. We don't go sniffing each other's asses when we meet each other. We don't kill our babies. So, you know, there, there's uh, so many of these um, issues can be drawn to their logical conclusion. And we look at the health effects of consuming animal products, which this stuff blew my mind. This was so concerning to to find out that what recently the World Health Organization have listed uh, processed meats and bacon as a class one carcinogenic compound. Yeah. Just yeah. like smoking causes lung cancer, these products cause bowel cancer. Yeah. Indisputably. Indisputably. And then red meat um, being a class 2A carcinogen, likely to be cancer-causing to humans. So... Like a plant-based diet is a whole foods plant-based vegan diet is the only diet which actually reverses heart disease. And this is the biggest killer of people throughout the world. Yeah, heart disease, atherosclerosis is the number one killer. And so if we can reverse the biggest killer and in a lot of instances prevent that, well, we really need to be advocating for this. Mm -hmm. Um, but, you know, we come across resistance. We come across resistance from industry, from governments, from the nutritional information saying we need to eat these products. But plant-based diets um, is where we need to be focusing our efforts. United Nations, the UNEP, 
eight years ago now said that we need a global urgent shift to a plant-based diet to address the worst effects of climate change. Yeah. Yeah. It's imperative. It's it's the climate change. It's our health. um, And of course it's the, it's the compassion for the animals. Um, Yeah. There's so many wonderful, for those of you guys listening, there's so many wonderful um, resources out there that you can check out just like Scott and I kind of got that shift um, to the understanding of the environment through Cowspiracy. There's other documentaries you can watch. Some of my favorites are Forks Over Knives. Have you seen that one? Mm, that one Forks Over Knives. On what the health? health one. Yeah. What the health. Um, so many. So tons of those. All the resources will be down below so you can check those out because um, really if, if, you know, if the environment isn't your driving force and that's okay, you know, we all have different priorities, but at the very least, you know, our bodies is the one vessel we have in life, you know? So if you want to take yeah. care of it, um, eating, eating plants is really the way to go. And there's so many other benefits yeah. as well. Yeah. And it, you know, if, I, I don't know how you feel Kat, but for me, veganism hasn't been a sacrifice in any way. It's mm-hmm. been an absolute joy. And uh, I never thought I would have said that a few years ago. I was <laughs> arguing with all the vegans yeah. and, you know, that was my indoctrination. Um, but all the foods that we used to eat, we've got them as vegan versions and there's, you know, such an abundance of, of delicious, healthy foods out there. Um, and it's a matter of if we go to the supermarket, you know, instead of grabbing the dairy milk, we just go, Oh, yeah. almond, and then, soy, and rice, choice oats. Of 15 milks, you know, now <laughs> for me, for me, it wasn't so much a, a sacrifice, but, uh, coming from France, especially, you know, cheese is so deeply ingrained mm-hmm. into our society. It took me a good eight months to quit cheese. Like for me, the, the meat was easy, but the cheese was insanely difficult. And I've actually read studies and cheese is as addictive as heroin, apparently. They have opiates in it, which actually makes yeah. the, the baby latch on to the mother and keep drinking and keep drinking. So it stays healthy and strong. So as adults, as human people, we still get addicted. Not, not baby calves, not, not baby, baby calves. calves. Um, but we still have that addiction. Um, so that was really hard for me to quit and still going back to France, you know, uh, they just don't have many vegan options available in restaurants and things like that. So it's not like it was, you know, a sacrifice, but the convenience thing for me, the number one kind of issue I've faced with is the convenience. And that's, that's the truth, you know, um, in places like Australia being vegan, it's very easy now. It's, it's, basically accepted as the norm almost like in many places you can get a vegan option they have vegan options on menus in the shops every supermarket will have soy milk Uh, but when you're traveling you know when you're in tiny little towns all over the world there is definitely that aspect of having to plan ahead and having to you know be mindful and worst case scenario just buying uh, kilos and kilos of fruit and just living off that for a while (laughs) yum Uh, So, yeah, I think the really the biggest issue most people face and I face definitely was the the convenience aspect. But Mm. how can you, you know, how can you argue convenience versus your heart health or convenience versus the life of an animal? Yeah. Or um, or the environmental footprint. So it's really just that. Um, But the plant thing. One thing I came across a lot and that I asked was like, the plants have feelings and you know, you can't, you know, you can't be killing plants because that's hypocritical. Um, And plants do have a form of intelligence. They're able to respond to the sunlight and, you know, respond to stimuli. 
That doesn't mean plants are sentient. Doesn't mean that it's, you know, that plants suffer. They don't have a brain. They don't have um, like in a central nervous system. Yeah. Um, and it's not about having a zero footprint. And I think a lot of people, and I did as well. I had this feeling that these vegans are just trying to. They think they're so superior and so morally better than everyone. Um, and oh, but they're not zero footprint no one's going to have a zero footprint and all we need to do is acknowledge that and go okay we just need to work on minimizing our footprint as much as possible and so the adoption of a plant-based diet is the quickest cheapest most effective way to minimize your ecological footprint um, we're talking about one eighteenth of the land needed to feed someone a vegan diet compared to a heavy omnivorous diet, you know, one thirteenth of the water, half of the greenhouse gas emissions. Um, it, it, it's, it's very simple um, in, in, in theory, but when it comes to putting this into practice, there are a whole bunch of barriers that we face, convenience, our culture, um, the system, the way that it's set up, because there's a reason why we continue to support violent industries is because we're disconnected from it. It keeps the economies going and that's the space we're in at the moment. And so we do need a very big transformation of culture in order to live in an ecologically sustainable way, live in alignment and to look after this planet. Um, it's imperative and what 60 odd billion land animals killed a year. Mm -hmm. That's excluding the oceans. Yeah, they measure the ocean stuff in tons, in like millions of yeah. tons. No, that's that's. Crazy. Um, did did you also hear this one that uh, vegans are the reason for for the like enormous deforestation because of the soy? Because um, ah. milk and soy products have become uh, so popular. So I was I was curious. So I was like, oh, I'll do I'll do some research. You know, I'll <laughs> look into this. Um, and I found that from from the you know, the Amazon from Brazil, 39 million tons of soy are taken to Europe every single year. Um, and you're like, wow, that's, that's a lot of soy milk. And then there's this little footnote, footnote caveat, like 90% of that goes into animal feed. Yep. Livestock. And so that, that's a very important um, point. Like some of these monocultures can be so destructive, whether it's feeding plant-based diets for people or, you know, mainly grains and uh, soy for livestock. Yeah. Um, in the US, over 80% of the soy that's grown is for livestock. And so, like, that's, yeah, that's clear what's, what's happening there. Yeah, just um, the inconsistencies there. Um, yeah, definitely, definitely. Uh, but, yeah, so there's, there's so much more we could talk about in terms of the actual, you know, uh, environmental aspect of it but mm. highly recommend you guys check out cowspiracy for that um we're going to be wrapping up shortly so just wanted to kind of do a bit of a, a con concluding thing um scott not only you know uh has a great instagram where he shares a lot of you know info and um about all these things veganism and the ocean he works with sea shepherd and um you know participates in those um fundraisers, campaigns, campaigns, yeah, campaigns, that's the word. Uh, and then one of the last things he does, and um, I haven't heard much about this, but I constantly keep saying photos of him going to schools 
and so talking to the school. So can you just tell us a little bit about that aspect, yeah, the education? For sure. That's, that's the best yeah. hope we have, edu educating. I agree. I agree. And so I think I'm, I really, uh, it's all about planting seeds, right? And it's all about informing people, educating people, and not shaming and blaming people into feeling guilty or off guard because they weren't aware of the facts or the way things are going. Mm. And so a few years ago, um, I started putting myself out there to do presentations and speeches at events on veganism, on the animal ag sector and environmentalism. And eventually through one of my university subjects, um, there was a law elective called environmental uh, advocacy clinic. And we had to pick a topic and go and deliver this to the community and, you know, do a speech or do presentations or do a write up. And so I used that um, as a starting point to actually contact schools um, and start getting into the education sphere through that way. And the schools have been quite receptive, um, at least the ones that I've, I've presented to. And so it's great to know that there's an opportunity to go and hopefully inspire, educate and inform kids as to what's happening with this, with these very important issues to get them questioning, what is my relationship with nature? Do I love animals? Do I not? What about this? What about my diet? You know, um, and I feel that it's very, very important to keep educating, to keep persisting with these issues that are so passionate that are going to change the world and i'm actually off to canberra this weekend which is very exciting to oh, present wow. at the earth festival um for as a two-day festival down in canberra and i'll be talking about reevaluating our relationship with nature and how important it is to to question that um education for me is one of the most important things and i find it so rewarding and so valuable um, that's and it's educating everyone everyone not just younger people yeah. we're always learning we're always growing and yeah that's really what I, what I want to concentrate my efforts and time and energy into is speeches lectures and keeping this stuff going um, I was quite lucky to have been invited to do my first guest lecture at university Oh, congrats. Uh, That's end of last year yeah um and i sat the course the year before oh, and so wow. <laughs> that's pretty <laughs> um, yeah and you know just it's been a really exciting journey and i'm looking forward to seizing more opportunities and creating them definitely better this planet and what what can individual people do so what's the biggest kind of tip you can give people you've been on this incredible journey and you you know you've had these wonderful opportunities, but you found them yourself. How can you, you know, tell other people where, where should they look if they want to get, you know, into any campaigns or uh, all those words yeah. involved and active. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, like it, it, it depends where people are at. Like everyone's going to be on a spectrum between just wanting to learn more information and, and finding out more to then, you know, um, getting involved with volunteering with organizations that may resonate with people that are tackling issues that they're concerned about. Um, it's important to realize to not get overwhelmed. There's so much injustice in this planet. Yeah. There's so much unnecessary suffering. There's so much exploitation. 
um, we can't tackle it all. So we choose issues that are the most important to us. Yeah. And it's just about refining where our time and energy goes into. And we're going to find people that, and there's going to be intersections between all these issues and people and campaigns where we share what's important, we get involved, we volunteer. Um, and in terms of the activist space for environmental issues and, and veganism, animal rights side of things, um, there's so many groups popping up at the moment. Um, get involved with protests or marches and, you know, anonymous for the voiceless, they do cube of truths, public outreach and education. So um, follow what feels right and put yourself out there for, for any vegans that are, that are listening um, that aren't yet active. It's the first step is to stop contributing to these issues. And that's wonderful. And that's going to change the world, but there's still other people that are unwillingly contributing to things that they wouldn't want to wish upon their worst yeah. enemies. And so get active, get out there, get this information out there. It's imperative. Um, and only vegans are going to be advocating for veganism. Yep. Even environmentalists, so many of my friends, environmentalists aren't vegan. They haven't uh, made the connection yet. And that's okay. That's okay. There's, 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 it's, a, it's about this journey of endless understanding and awareness. And get out there, get active. We're going to continue changing the world with, um, with what we do. And the collective effect of individual actions is what's going to change the world, either for the worse or for the better. <laughs> so, we have to hope that it's for the better, huh? Of course. Like here in Queensland, there's like 700,000 fishermen. And so, yeah, it's just one person like it was me with my dad on the weekend fishing but there's 700,000 other people doing the same thing. Yeah. And so recreational fishermen catch more than the commercial fishermen in this state. Really? And so, yes, hectic. <laughs> and so it oh. comes down to taking responsibility for our actions and realizing that everything totals up. Mm. And that's why it's individual's responsibility to, to be influencers, to be change agents, to have the conversations to purchase the products that align with who they are. I lived out of alignment for a long time, Kat, and it seemed like you did as well. Yeah. Um, so. And I think the, the best thing is actions yeah. with our beliefs. That's all it comes down to yeah. consistency, integrity, and feeling that we're living in alignment to protect this planet and our beliefs as an individual. Yeah. And the best thing is, uh, if, if you live that truth or, if, you know, if you, um, if you make those choices and you eat the plants rather than the animals and you talk about it, people around you will, um, you know, listen. And this is for a lot of people in my life. I came someone who loved steak all the time. All I would talk about was steak. And now they see the enormous changes I've made and they, you know, they take a step back and they're like, oh you know, who, who is this person? How come all of a sudden it's different? So they kind of, you know, listen, they open their mind a little bit. And so many people in my life have gone vegan. And so many people in my life have um, just decreased the amount of meat they consume. And they've started to look more into where they get their meat and things like that. So at least, you know, everyone's doing their part. But I think 
you know, just by leading by example, you can already make a huge difference. If you're not ready yeah. to kind of get out there and be, be an activist, just by making those choices for yourself. Is, your friends is, will is being notice. an activist, yeah, yeah, is an influencer. Yeah. That's right. I just want to just um, comment on one thing there that I, I, you know, I started questioning where was I getting my meat from? Mm, yeah. It's more sustainably sourced. And then I cut down to have a meat-free Monday. But what I realized was that I did meat-free Monday because I wanted to feel good about mm. my exploitation of animals mm. every other day of the week. I wanted to know that I'm being good and I'm having meat free, but don't worry about the rest. Yeah, and yeah. so for a lot of people, um, you know, when it came to, to having human slaves, which is still occurring in different forms, um, we didn't say, okay, let's just regulate slavery. We're going to have slaves Monday to Thursday. And then <laughs> Friday to Sunday, there's no slaves. We were like, this is wrong. Yeah. We need to abolish the exploitation of, of humans, yeah. right? Human yeah. slavery. So to stop slavery altogether. We, we, we need to move the debate away from increasing the welfare conditions for animals and bigger cages and more space. They're still going to have their throat slit at the end of that process. Yeah. So it doesn't matter what happens before. We need to respect their right to life, not their right to be treated humanely. Um, yeah. And so we need to focus on an animal rights, not a welfare approach. And then building upon that is an abolitionist approach yeah. um, where we need to abolish the exploitation of animals unless it's for a necessity, which yeah. eventually, hopefully the world doesn't need to do. My dad just took a photo. He's just like, <laughs> no, it's funny. Um, my dad's one of those prime examples of people who, you know, still eat meat. Uh, but whenever I'm around, he's happy to eat vegan all the time and he yeah. almond milk and soy milk. And I think he even might've stopped buying a dairy milk. So it's, you know, so it's Good. like little, little um, dairy far out. We could go on this stuff. For ages. <laughs> There's so much suffering in the dairy industry, more than the meat industry. Cheese, yeah. ice cream is just as messed up as having a bit of animal meat on your plate oh, it's, it's much There's more messed up it's much more messed up check out dairy is scary i can't remember what her name is do you remember it's yeah. an excellent it's like a five minute video <laughs> She's very, uh, yeah very quirky. Like, it's just really like five minutes and you're just like oh i can't eat that ever again and the egg industry messed up oh i haven't i never really ate eggs so like that was not even a thing really but yeah, just because it comes from your like local uh, grandma's farm doesn't mean that eggs are um, for us to eat as well. Plus, yeah. like just look at it this way from the health perspective, like it's not it's not good for us. It's really it's like just so a much cholesterol. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah. Anyway, um, got to wrap this up. We could keep going forever. Um, <laughs> clearly, you can see Scott and I are extremely passionate about these topics. And yeah. um, both of us are really, you know, into education. And we both come from science degrees and dive backgrounds and, um, you know. And non-veganism. And, and non-veganism. And, and carnism we, we, to veganism. We and we've understand. killed. You know, it's not even like we just ate from supermarkets. We actually did kill those animals. We yeah. did fish. And, um, Sorry, fish. <laughs> Sorry, fish. I love like, you. I remember I didn't understand so what love was. Of, like the first fish I killed. I remember just that like, um, but yeah, it was really taxing um, as, as a person. I, I also think, you know, if you're going to kill, if you're going to eat the animals, like at least kill them yourself, you know, like have that, 
respect. That's a doesn't need to happen. Yeah. It doesn't need to happen indeed. But like for people, you know, for people who are just like, Oh no, I'm just happy to go to the supermarket. I'm like, you don't Uh, even, anyway. (laughs) Um, so yeah, so thank you Scott, uh, so much for uh, being here and, um, I'm going to leave links down below to, you know, all of his, um, social media handles and stuff. Cause I really think that, you know, what he does is amazing. And, um, Hopefully he's going to be participating even more with Sea Shepherd on future things. Keep keep fighting the good fight, you know. <laughs> my mantra, my mantra: reconnect, reconnect to your values and your core as a human, as a spiritual being. Mm-hmm. Realign your actions to your values and your beliefs, and go vegan. that was my friend Scott and all his wonderful wise words I love that mantra in the end that yeah so find the core values of who you are as a person then align your beliefs with those and go vegan so I think it's fantastic to be surrounded by people like him who are so passionate and dedicated and I highly recommend for you guys if you're interested in anything to do with this join a Sea Shepherd chapter where you are join Facebook groups of like-minded people you will be surrounded by these fantastic ocean lovers ocean warriors and environmentally friendly humans so yeah it's fantastic to always have a good chat with scott so thanks to him once again for being on the podcast i'm sure i'll have him back soon since he's already done so much since the time we recorded this i'll have to ask him all about being on board steve Irwin and things like that you can check all that out down below of course thank you so much to graham mose for being uh, the little music interludes in this podcast so yeah make sure to check him out as well and if you want to support me or follow my journey you can find me at vegan diver cat on instagram and then my vegan experiment is my website so you can head on over there or ocean pancake or my name cat andrescova there is so much stuff i'm working on right now so many plastic free projects so many cleanups so yeah kind of join the ocean pancake Facebook group and come on board the mission and I'd love to hear from you of course if you have any questions let me know sorry this episode was so long but yeah if you're still here with me now thanks and I'll see you next week